Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who hopes we just make Bo Davis happy, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Yeah, the, uh, the Iowa State game was pretty, oh man, I don't even know. We, we didn't know exactly where we were in our season. We knew it wasn't a great spot by this point. Um, but it was something of a a internet inflection point when the audio was leaked of Bo Davis um, uh, vigorously uh, suggesting that his team uh, show some fortitude, and uh, and and so um, yeah, we all love Bo Davis, and I would just love for this game to go well enough that Bo doesn't have to scream at everybody and instead can give uh, backslaps and and you know. Uh, have a nice brisket sandwich. Like let the guy have a, have an easy, uh, afternoon, you know, uh, this is an early game. So let him have an easy afternoon. Just, just grilling and chilling and having a nice day. I, when I think about, you said like not, but having Bo Davis yell, I think of like, I'm a huge star Wars fan. When you watch star Wars, the closed captions, they always give Chewbacca's roars emotions. And so there's like angry roar <laughs> or happy roar. And I think it's like Ben Bo Davis, happy yell, Bo Davis, angry yell. So let's just go for the Bo Davis happy yell after this game. That was a weird, that was such a weird, like, two days on the internet because there were all these people that were trying to like rage bait off of that where it's like how dare blah and then like anybody that's ever been in a locker room or on a in a post game bus it's like shut up like yes this is abs- uh, my favorite one was Casey Stuttered if you don't know who he is uh, you probably do because you listen to this podcast um, he basically said some of those needed to get and use the terms that, that Coach Davis did uh, and it's true right like they're it seemed like for some of these folks, it was an inflection point. It seems like, honestly, if we look at what happened this offseason, uh, they were sending a message to some guys that, hey, there might not be a place for you on the squad next year. And Texas ended up cycling 33, <laughs> cycling enough to get 33 new f- players on the roster. So, um, so far, seems to be working out. We'll find out more uh, as the season progresses. But Texas squaring off against Iowa State this weekend at home. Texas opened it as an 11-point favorite. The line is all the way up to 17 and a half, uh, which is just weird. Like, lines are doing weird stuff this week. Like, I, OU's favored now by, like, 10 over Kansas, even after Jalen Daniels was like, hey, I'm not actually hurt. Uh, it's just been a weird week for betting. Yeah, I'm avoiding any type of uh, betting or betting advice this week uh, for anyone. The Texas line feels like a trap for Texas fans. Um, Again, I I wouldn't bet with my own money. Um, Bet with your money. But uh, the the, the OU one, like, it feels healthy. Like, you you, want to take that action. Kansas's get right game. I did finally listen to the, uh, the the full cast after dark. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sentiment. Um, but uh, yeah, th- this uh, this is an interesting week. Um, you know, there was we had a blood week earlier in the year. We had 
you know, some some upsets that have gone on. We had some last week interim coaches went, you know, undefeated. Like it's like a it's a weird point in the middle of the college football season. We keep hearing these quarterbacks getting hurt. We had a lot of backups play. It's it, you know, Texas is getting to a point where it's healthy. I don't know. I don't know enough to tell you what to do or, or not, but I, I, I don't like though this is a, a matchup of of Texas having inexplicably, and I think national People who don't watch this team are slow to believe it. Um, and, and honestly, I think Big 12 fans who've seen this team a lot over the past few years are slow to believe it. But Texas is good on both sides of the ball, and they're you know as healthy as they've been all year. And uh, Ewers is, is, is back and, and has a, a really good full four quarters under his belt, which is great. Um, so... Oh man, I, I like you really have to discount Iowa State's offense into a little bit their defense to think that this is going to be a, a walk in the park. But this does feel like Iowa State isn't able to replicate what they've done in years past as they lost a lot of talent last year, right? It does feel like they've taken a step back, at least on the offensive side of the ball and, and somewhat on the defensive side of the ball, I think, as well. So um, whether it's a big win or not, you know, th- there are some things we'll talk about of what Texas can can take advantage of and and what they need to do to uh, to walk away with the W scoreline be damned. So, I mean, you are what your resume says you are. So right now, Iowa State, 3-3 three and three on the year with wins over Southeast Missouri, 42-10, uh, to 10, a 10-7 to 7 win over Iowa. Matt Campbell got his first win over the, uh, the Hawkeyes in a 43-10 to 10 win over Ohio. Uh, they have three losses to start conference play, 31-24 to 24 against Baylor. 14 to 11 against the aforementioned uh, Kansas Jayhawks, you mentioned briefly, and then a 10 to 9 win from this weekend against Kansas State. It, it's just a weird resume because you look at it, it really feels like their defense is carrying the team in a lot of these games. The only Power Five non conference opponent they played was a 10 7 game against Iowa, right? And there's a conversation to be had about um, letting Iowa score on you that much. Like, Iowa scored a touchdown. That's a thing, right? Um, so, like, their their non their their power five matchups. It's hard to see what their offense has been able to do because it hasn't really been much. Um, but we're actually going to start with the defense because it feels like the yeah. respectful thing to do uh, of Iowa State. Uh, they are a top fifteen to twenty offense in a lot of uh, in a lot of your simple categories. You look at some of the more advanced stats. You look at. Um, like S and P plus, like the number seventeen defense, they're number fourteen in the country in points per drive, uh, number twenty two in the country in yards per play. So a really good, solid, efficient group. They lead the Big Twelve in total defense, and it's a defense that, that's kind of led by a core of those three linebackers in that three three five alignment uh, that that they've kind of made famous and revolutionized across the country. It's interesting, right? We all remember, I think it was twenty seventeen when they rolled that out. It feels like an eternity ago, but um, against Texas, right? It came out midweek. Haycock. Um, in in the original implementation, thought to simplify a defense, right? We're going to limit uh, the things with the personnel that we have and just kind of keep it simple. And it, and it gave Texas fits, and it became their base defense, and it kind of became the de facto national counterpunch to um, to the, the the spread offenses that were becoming prevalent. Uh, Patterson four two um, five was kind of the as a as a base was was uh, the original. Um, but but this is this has been you know I no one really is able to do it quite the way that, that Iowa State does it, um, but they, they've become something of an innovator. Venables with that Clemson, Clemson uh, defense took a trip to go talk to Haycock and Campbell about how they they, they run this defense. Um, you know you you've seen 
some other people uh, adapted. Arkansas has some wrinkles uh, with the kind of high safety and low box that tries to invite you to run and then has what I think they call sling run fits. Uh, downhill, um, you, you, you know, you saw Oklahoma try to do it and they just, just did it very poorly uh, against Texas. So, you know, I always say it will be something different. And, and if there is a reason that I, I think, you know, it gives me pause is, is you, you look at, right, that they, they um, have – lost three games and, and Baylor scored 31 on them but I mean they they basically gave up uh, um, 14 points and lost 10 points and lost that's hard to do in modern college football um, so I mean the defense isn't necessarily the problem even like holding Iowa who's not a good offensive team at all um, but holding them to seven points to, to to get that monkey off the back in their rivalry game I mean there's some things there I think you kind of throw out what the offense did against SEMO, they gave up 10 in that one and scored 42, throw out what they did against Ohio where the offense scored 43 and they also gave up 10. I think what they are is they're a team who's going to give up a touchdown, maybe maybe two, maybe maybe three um, on, on any given week at, at most, um, again, except the, the, the very best of teams. Um, it, but they're probably not going to score a ton. So, it, it you know, you think Texas, they got to go on the road. They, they love to win this one. Um, do they do they add a, a wrinkle on it, right? Is there, you know, they have their kind of, the way they run coverage out of it, the way they have multiple fronts, the way they give, you know, quarterbacks different looks can give people fits, right? They, um, it's three, three, five, but it's not simple, right? They, they can drop guys down. They can turn it into almost five on the line um, and, and bring pressure that way. They can drop ends and blitz kind of their, their star. They can drop their star back as the third safety. Um, different guys can be the rat in zone coverage who are kind of hanging, trying to pick passes off. So it is, I mean, it's a lot to process for, Again, a, a freshman quarterback with with twenty you know career drives under his belt, right? Twenty good ones, by the way. Joel clouded that great stat, but um, in, in Quinn Ewers, it is going to be tough, and that's you know that's what they want, right? Is to rattle you a little bit. Spencer Rattler specifically had a really tough first outing as a as a touted freshman. I do think you know Ewers is better than Rattler, but um, this defense can give a quarterback who hasn't seen a lot of this some some trouble. So as good as he looked last week in in the RPOs and, and making the right read. Um, Iowa State is going to try to make it very confusing for Ewers. And so the, the key to me in this game for Texas is just patience. Like, don't try to win it. You 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 get 28 points, 35 points. They, they don't have an offense that can hang with you. So be patient, Quinn Ewers. Let the defense take what you can get. Don't, you know, don't go to your tendencies to be a gunslinger a little bit. Um, you know, play within yourself. And again, Sark needs to, needs to call a game that really – uh, is comfortable for him. That makes sense. That's that's easy so that he can get that that uh, that good feel and and you know hit the throws that are there. Yeah, this is not going to be the like air it out game that I think Texas is going to want to normally run. And I, I think it's an opportunity for Ruth Sark and and Ewers to really showcase something else in the bag and in their game, right? Because Ewers is. And rightfully known, a bit of a gunslinger. He likes to throw it downfield and huck it and chuck it. And those three high safeties that Iowa State's probably going to roll out quite a bit on them are not really going to allow that. So how can he go through his reads and progress and find the open man? How can he look to, like, I loved seeing him look at Gunnar Helm uh, against OU on, on Saturday, right? I loved seeing other names popping up on the score sheet. And I think that's going to be the way to win this game is to lean on, lean on B. John Robinson and let the defense relax a little bit and then kind of find Find whatever's available underneath. You don't have to win the whole game with one throw. And I think that's something that I hope that 
Sark and AJ Milwe are drilling into him this week, right? This is not going to be a game that you're going to win with a single throw. This is not going to be a game that you're going to win with one big play to X or one big play to Wit or one big play to Sanders. This is going to be a game that's won by you taking what's available and not not trying to force something because that's what that's what this defense is going to want you to do. They're going to try to and they're going to make you see ghosts a little bit. They're going to try to let you think something is deep there, but oh, there's another safety creeping. Oh, there's another defensive back waiting for you. So that's what. I really hope that they're drilling and I'm sure they are because they're smarter than we are but like I hope that that's what the game plan is is really getting Quinn Ewers ready to say I know you want to do this and I know it feels a little bit like putting a restrictor plate on a hot rod but like this is the opportunity for you to showcase how you can go through the progressions how you can go through your reads how you can find the right man how you can take the check down when it's there and I think that's one of the advantages of having Quinn Ewers back for this game is he hasn't been really uh he's been unafraid to to check down to the running backs he's been unafraid to find the the, the tight ends that he didn't do it a ton against OU because he well he didn't really have to because their defensive backs were nowhere in the frame a lot when he was throwing it but I think this is going to be that game where he has to show off the other parts of his ability some of the some of the unique off-platform things he can do some of the arm angles he can generate all of those things that made him the top ranked perfect scored quarterback those are the things that are it's going to take to win this game because Iowa State you know, they're a really, really good defense, regardless of what you think. We'll talk about the offense. This is a strength on strength matchup. And I think for, for Texas to win this game, it's going to take Quinn Ewers growing up really quick and not taking and making really silly choices in this, in this scheme against a defense. that's going to be really opportunistic. Yeah. uh, Yes. I mean, I I kind of think that, that, you know, with the looks they saw and Sark said it, it, I don't think he meant to be pejorative, but it, it turned into a nice little sick burn, basically, that it's it's really hard to, you know, get a feel for the three safety look for that Iowa State does, but Oklahoma is similar. And so it's hard to coach that with scout team level talent. So it was good to get um, some live some live game reps <laughs> against OU. Basically, OU is is a little bit step up from scout team talent, which, um, again, I don't think was intentional, but oh, yeah, but I, I love <laughs> I love off. the burn. Uh, there from Sark, but it, it is true. I do think that you know if you can replicate the gameplay basically that you did against OU, that's what. And again, much much better defense, but that's what you're going to want, right? Is is you you may not get four shots to it to, to X over the top. You 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 may not get that, right? It may be that you 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 let your running backs, you let your tight ends, you let all those things. What Gerald was talking about the checkdowns, you let those do the work. You throw the four yard you know pass. You you throw the short stuff. Uh, use your good blocking, right? Iowa State has not seen receivers that block the way Texas's do. Um, so a lot of the stuff they're able to get downhill on and, you know, stop little, um, you know, uh, bubble screens and, 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 and quick hitches. Um, they've been able to stop those pretty well this year. Well, you know, Texas is going to make that block when a guy's coming downhill and, and, all, all Xavier Worthy needs on one of those is one wiggle. All you know, Jordan Whittington needs is is just to, uh, you know, to get one on one with someone that he might just be able to truck. Like I, 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 I think that Texas talent is going to test this in a way that you know, it's not even close. Um, Baylor is so significantly better than every other um, passing offense that they've seen. Right, like no, no, huge shade at uh, Kansas State, but I mean, it's it's. It's Taylor Martinez, right? Like Jalen Daniels is is really good, but you know we'll, we'll see now that there's tape on them a little bit. Um, there are three good Big Twelve teams that they've played, and they've lost to all of them. 
Iowa's offense is legitimately like not just in in the, in the country. They're like yards per play is uh, and and it can get worse. Right now, it sits it's the second worst of any team in the past decade. Iowa's offense is that bad. Um, so they haven't really legitimately played. Nepotism, baby. Yeah, absolutely, the Ferences. But they haven't really played a an offense the caliber of Texas's. Again, that's that's no real shade at those other teams. And I don't think they would say that. So I think Texas still has the chance to win that. I think that's where Texas, again, execute, do the things, protect the ball, right? Don't don't make the risk. Don't give them those extra opportunities. If you just play like you did against, you know, oh, you protect the ball, score your touchdowns on good methodical drives, be efficient, be, you know, explosive, but just move the ball. Don't. There was a couple that, that could have gone the other way. Thankfully, they didn't. But don't give those types of plays and just keep the forward motion without the negative plays, without the turnovers. I, you know, I don't think that Iowa State can in any way keep up on the offensive side of the ball um, so that, that, you know, Texas gets into a shootout. It's just a, you know, just push it. Just keep running your offense and, and you will break through. And I don't think they necessarily have the uh, the guns to, to match you. You talked about it. Like the, the teams that they played don't necessarily have the – like offensive firepower that Texas does. And I think like when you look at, you mentioned Iowa in that context, Iowa, I'm an FEI guy, like a, a adjusted opponent, opponent adjusted efficiency rating. Iowa has a negative uh, offensive FEI, but like probably the best team they've played is Kansas state at 37. And again, this is not meant to be shaded. Anybody Texas is the seventh best, like most efficient offense in the country right now. Like there's not, there's no two ways around that. Like that's just what the Mm -hmm. numbers say. So I think this is going to be an opera. This is going to be the first true test of this defense, but for Texas, I think it's outside of probably Alabama. Like the truest test of the offense is going to be this. And so it's going to be, like I said, the good on good, it's going to be, you know, Ali Frazier. It's going to be, you know, Balboa and, and Clubber Lang or whoever or whatever, you know, if you want to go real boxing or fake boxing or whoever, um, this is going to be the first time I think both of these units are really put under a stress test. And so I am nervous, but I'm also excited to see how that shakes out. You're exactly you're exactly there with me, Gerald. This is this is, you know, a little bit closer to the early years of Matt Campbell's tenure when <laughs> Iowa State was kind of interesting and like you kind of liked them. You didn't want to hate them. They, you know, they hadn't really had the success yet. They had, well, they're doing something. You know, it, it's a little bit more like that, right? It's like they, they're not coming in anywhere near uh, a favorite. You know, obviously they're not coming in with a number ranking next to their name. They're 0 3 in conference, but they're still a dangerous team. And so I think, you know, that's, that's exactly uh, w- where we are, right? Like, let, let, let's, Let's show. Let's prove the numbers to be true uh, in this one. I mean, you're right. Matt Campbell made his mint, made his name in, in Iowa State in the names by winning these types of games where his team is clearly less talented, clearly less optimized, but he gets them in the right position and they do just enough to win. And so that a team in that position and a team with that mindset, a team, they're 0-3 in conference. They've literally got nothing to lose. Like This is a dangerous team no matter how you slice it. So now let's shift to the Cyclones offense and let's just let's just we're just going to call a spade a spade where the defense is really sneaky good the offense is really sneaky bad like they're they're number 97 in the country in points per drive they're 109 in the country in points per play like they're replacing basically everybody that has been the core and the reason why Iowa State was dangerous on offense for the last several years you know, Brock Purdy's gone both the tight ends are gone uh, they lost another Brees Hall is gone like that is the Tariq Milton's in burn orange wait what uh, so 
there's um, all, all of the reasons why the offense was feared and to be feared, the reason why they were able to score so much on Texas last year, it's not there anymore. And so it's hard to know what to expect, again, because they haven't really – against the teams that are really good on their schedule, they didn't really do a whole lot, right? Their best offensive outing uh, outside of SEMO in Ohio is 24 points against Baylor and a loss. Yeah. This is an offense that, you know, we, we love having our our friends from Wide Right Natty Light come on and do the preseason preview. Iowa State has gotten to this point. I, I joked earlier when I said, you know, what Matt Campbell used to be when they were likable. They, they are um, – they're – a bit more confident, right? Like they don't know what to do with their hands in their, in their Ricky Bobby interview. Like they, they don't understand necessarily how to, how to be good or how to be, you know, upper middle class of, of college football. Like they, they don't necessarily get it. And so, you know, our good friend Levi came on in our, our preview before the season for this team and just talked about every player on the five deep of this team, you know, like, well, this guy really has great in his speed. And, and I get it. Like you want to believe that everyone is great. But I think a lot of Iowa State fans really thought Hunter Decker's huge upgrade over Brock Purdy. Jarrell Brock next in the line of assembly line, NFL running backs. Um, and we have Xavier Hutchinson, who he's underrated. He's a top three receiver in the country. Yep. And so, it, 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 like, we heard that, and you roll your eyes. Like, again, remember that this team lost a senior quarterback, a, you know, NFL uh, running back, like a generational for them, uh, talented running back two tight ends uh you know like they they lost a ton of talent on this team uh, both sides of the ball um they've obviously replicated pretty well on the defensive side um but on offense it's just tough and Deckers isn't isn't bad like he's not a bad quarterback he does have some things and he does have some kind of natural arm talent that that Purdy didn't have um but you are still trying to kind of force him in and and Though he's gotten a few touchdowns, um, you know he's eleven TDs, which is which is good, um, pretty good. Uh, he also has six interceptions, right? An interception a game, so he does have that going for him the, the, to carry on the legacy of Brock Purdy. Um, but the, yeah, their 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 running back, uh, their running game just has been a bit anemic. Again, I, I, they've had some injuries, but the way that Levi told us is they can go down to five deep that are all like, you know, top half of the big 12. Uh, I'm, I'm only saying that a little bit in jest because again, it's every team is excited in the off season. Iowa state fans just don't understand that, you know, everyone's pretty good and no one is, is perfect all the way down. And, and the thing that I think if Deckers can have consistent drives, can spread the ball enough, um, Outside of exclusively Xavier Hutchinson, because look, we have two good cover corners, and Sean Jamerson has been an elite cover corner, and and you have to imagine, you know, Texas knows that that's their main weapon, um, and he is a weapon. There's no doubt about it. But it, it just feels like Texas defense at home has been very good. Texas against the run up front when you try to run on the inside has been very good. Texas cornerbacks and coverage have been very good it seems like the things that texas does do good at defense match up very well with what iowa state wants to even be on offense yeah and you talked about hunter deckers he's he's had a turnover in like four of uh, four of their six games this year the only games he did not ha- he did not throw an interception uh was against ohio and against kansas state 
Those are the two times that he has not thrown. But every, every game he's had a turnover. He's had at least one turnover. So it's something to be to keep an eye on. Texas has been very opportunistic. They haven't – they've been very uh, close to being opportunistic. They haven't converted as many turnovers as we thought mm. but or as they probably could have. But uh, the opportunities were there. And I think that's something to definitely talk about. Their offensive line is, is okay. right? They're, off, they've, they're a good offensive line. I'm not saying it's bad. But, like, it again, it doesn't feel like the, the dominant offensive lines that Iowa State has had in the past. Power success rate, 66 percent stuff rate of 17 percent like line their line yards are right around two and a half ish so like again good not great numbers there Jarrell Brock day to day we don't have an injury update on him but if he's in he's a good back averaging five per carry 394 yards overall two touchdowns uh through the through the year and then um Deckers really likes to go to Xavier Hutchinson. He has an insane usage percentage, 57 receptions, 604 yards, and 55 – or not 55, <laughs> five touchdowns. 55 would be nuts. Five touchdowns on the year. Kyle, how, how – I want to know, the, the next three wide receivers, don't look this up, on the Iowa State stat sheet, how many combined catches do the next three wide receivers have? Is it pass catchers or wide receivers specifically? Pass catchers. So yeah, anyone, anyone could be running back, could yeah. be tight end. Ooh, could be it. But the next three on the roster combined, how many or, do you think? Or they have? six games. So Xavier Hutchinson has fifty-seven. The next three combined have fewer. They have fifty-five receptions. So he has more receptions than the next three guys combined. Got it. You were thinking each? <laughs> Got it. I mean, they've played six games, right? Like with three guys, if you're just assuming they get a few targets a, a piece, right? This easily, let's just call it, if he has 57, they have 65. 70. 70. So they, they have 55. So the next three down the line have 55. So he has more than the next three wide receivers combined. Yikes. which is Which is, again, they... A big usage percentage uh, there. And, and so he likes to go there. He's been a consistent target. And it's been working. I mean, as as well as you can say, something on the Iowa State offense is working at this point. Look, right? Like, he he's he is a unique um, a unique weapon and target. He He's probably the second best Xavier uh, pass catcher in the Big 12. Uh, that's meant to be a, a, a direct uh, tweet at me. Uh, Iowa State fans who are listening to this. Um, <laughs> Xavier Worthy, of course, the best. But no, I mean, he's 6'3", he's big-bodied, he can he can get up, He's he can, you know, go deep, run short. He really is a good receiver. Like, he's very much, um, they, they've had a few of these uh, Alan Lazards and, um, you know, these, these big-body receivers who they've turned into NFL players, and I think Hutchinson is certainly in that mold. I just think, you know, Texas is a good enough defense and they have good enough safety um, and cornerback play, which again, no one thought that they would be as good as they've been so far. So we'll see a, a test here because um, he's bigger than even Watts, who's a big corner, right? Like he's going to be bigger than him. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they how they play it. But I, I do think um, if Texas goes one in the shade on him, uh, they can probably still cover the rest of the passing game um it'll be curious to see without a really good running game and and with a quarterback who's you know a little bit mobile do they kind of try the the texas tech uh frank harris you know kind of like just th- keep it short or or have your quarterback moving around a lot to take away the the defensive line kind of 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 texas and, and their ability to to get sacks like do they go to a game plan that looks like that and do they even have 
the skill set to do it, right? Like, I think you could probably sprint out Deckers and, and throw jump balls to, to Hutchinson all game. Texas is going to be okay with that, right? Like, if, if you truly become that one-dimensional. But, yeah, it'll, it'll be curious exactly how the Iowa State... Campbell also, for all of his credit in his identity, he's he is a little bit stubborn in his, in his like, play calling, the things he does, the things he doesn't or won't do. Um, I think he finally hired a special teams coach, but he didn't do that for a long time, um, and it bit them a bunch. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be curious. Like, is, is he... He's a great game planner, but is he going to be stubborn if Texas rolls out the counter, right? And and you know, do they think they can get fourteen points or, or or you know seventeen points on this defense and then really clamp down with their own defense, right? I think getting into the twenties would be a huge win for them. Texas defense needs to uh, needs to show some chutzpah and and, and uh, keep them out of there, right? Like just like we talked about, get get your points, do execute your things. Maybe a down day for you against a good defense, but the defense may be a good day for you against a bad offense. Like show some things. Maybe get a takeaway. Get some stuff. So let, don't don't let them get second chance yards. Like if they if, if Texas just goes out and fundamentals this game on both sides of the ball, they should on the the scale and balance of things be able to make this one pretty comfortable. Now, Kyle, they don't officially have a special teams coach. They have a senior special ah. teams analyst uh, that's listed on their on their coaching roster, uh, right right between the director of graphic design and creative media and the um, senior quality control for offense. So they don't still have a special teams coordinator, which is something to watch for. Uh, it's bitten them in the keister in the past. So let's jump in and do the thing that everybody's here for, Kyle. The Podstradamus pick so as an update again if you aren't keeping up with us kyle currently leads podstradamus eight to seven on the week he hit on both of his red river while i missed on one so kyle what is your first podstradamus pick for the week we just talked about it right that this this iowa state team is very good at keeping teams close to single digits in the low teens right they 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 you know, really don't give up multi-touchdown games. Kansas had two. Baylor had four, I think. Um, and that's it. I think every other team they played had one touchdown uh, exactly and then some field goals. I think Texas scores in the 30s in this game. I was going to say five touchdowns, but I'm going to go ahead and caveat this. I'm going to say Texas <laughs> gets into the 30s with at least four touchdowns. I think Texas four touchdowns, 30 points in this one on offense, and I think that should be enough. We may not see 49 points. That could have been more against Oklahoma, uh, again, because this is a much better defense that, that is going to execute a little bit better, um, even if they don't have this insane talent. They execute. So I don't think we're just going to have a bunch of breakaway things, but if we can get in the 30s, I think that's a win. So 30 points equals a win. Okay. 30 points equals a win. So I struggled with my with my Podstradamus pick here because I really, my, my offensive one, I really didn't know where to go. But I think my, where I'm going to go is that I, I'm waffling, Kyle. I'm waffling. <laughs> I just need to put on my big boy pants and do it. I think that Quinn Ewers is going to go for 250. I'm just going to say it. I okay. think Quinn Ewers is going to go for 250. Okay. Uh, I, I think it's it's still conservative, but again, we're playing Iowa State, yeah. right? But 250 feels like a winning performance in this. And again, a lot of our Potsdamus picks are couched in the, this is a winning situation for Texas. So I think Quinn Ewers goes for 250 in this game. I, I like it. I think it's going to be a balanced offensive attack. So I think if they get 250, you know, and they can get something going in the run game, that's that's how you get to 30 points. That's how you get 
to a W. All right, let me let me take a look here at the rest of the game. I should I go special teams where we just talked about Matt Campbell doesn't have a coach? Uh, should I go defense? Um, I'm rolling with the Texas defense. I like what they've done all year. I like what they've done at home. Call OU a half home game. Um, I like when the fans are in the stands giving you know the the 12th maybe let's call it the 13th man 12th and 13th men um, people. We're not going to use gender terms. The 12th and 13th persons um, in the stands. Um, that's right. We have one more than Anna. Uh, I feel like this defense comes to play. And so I think because of that, Texas is going to prioritize taking care of the ball in the offense and taking away the ball in the defense. Texas wins the turnover battle in this game. Well, I appreciate you taking my defensive pot ah. Really? I really, it's, really. It's always a risk. Like, we know really, you know, because I get to go first, I always feel bad about that. And we don't write these down. Uh, in the show notes, so I like. Do, do you have another one at the ready? Do we do we need to audible? It's, it's fine. No, I I can come over real quick. Give me just a second, Kyle. I think I'm gonna go with old reliable one for me. So Iowa State is allowing 2.3 sacks per game. That's their average on the year, 2.33 sacks per game. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna double down on it and say Texas has more than two and a half sacks this week. I'm just gonna double down on what I did last week. It worked for me. I think Texas is going to try to rattle this young quarterback, get him to see some ghosts early and often. And I think if Texas can get to the young quarterback uh, early rather than later, this thing kind of quicksands for the offense, and Iowa State kind of kind of uh, fails to launch. So I think they're gonna put pressure on him. They're gonna uh, bring quite a bit, and I think. Texas is going to go over two and a half sacks. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I liked last week when I was adding these up. There were so many guys who had half sacks. I was like, do we have five sacks? Or does that add up to like one, you know, one and a half? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take everyone. Just scroll to the bottom. Yeah. Let me see them all Yeah, absolutely. Meet me at the quarterback. I like it. If we get over two and a half sacks with like six guys involved, you know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I like it, Gerald. I think 30 points. Uh, winning the turnover battle, Ewers getting 250 and getting uh, three sacks is is a winning formula for Texas. Maybe even a covering the spread uh, formula for Texas, which again is is three scores plus in this one. Texas five and one this year against <laughs> the spread, so um, this would be a this would be a good cover, a uh, a, a sign of a, a a good team. They can get that 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 big time top top 10 type spread against a conference opponent um that this will answer some questions we'll be back on saturday with our post game live stream uh the game is at 11 so it'll be early afternoon we'll get that in your podcast feeds we had some technical difficulties uh because kyle just happened to be out uh at paradise and it's fine it is what it is uh but we'll be back for our post game live stream and then we'll obviously be back on tuesday in your podcast feeds with some uh, full breakdown of the the with a full breakdown of the Iowa State game. All right, Gerald. Now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses. Let's start with a little bit of college football around the country coverage. Talk just about the relevant ones that we want to talk about. I'll give the quick Big 12 rundown. Obviously, we know Kansas State uh, beat Iowa State 10-9 to uh, in a field goal extravaganza there. Uh, TCU ends Kansas's perfection. Um, I mean, a dream season has to... Uh, have the occasional nightmare in it. Um, and then OSU beats Tech 41-31, and I said on a fair catch. The the, the uh, early Tech went for the uh, early onside kick, and if you don't hit it in the ground, you go for the bloop. 
a really smart heads up play by the Oklahoma State player. He just waved his arm, so the uh, the player catching it is is fair catch interference. Genius changed. Uh, you call it a fourteen point swing right there potentially, and and they they won by ten. So there are some other things in that one. That was an interesting game. Um, you know, I watched that late, uh, but yeah, what what do you think of the Big Twelve play? this week besides OU sucking. I mean, it, I think it continued to confirm what we've been saying all year is that this is going to be such a, a even year in the conference. So like there's an op- and it's what, kind of what motivated what I said on, on Tuesday, the Tuesday show It's like, just don't worry about all the other teams. Cause it's a crabs in a barrel year. Somebody's going to rise up and somebody's going to pull them down. So like, um, I, I would have loved to see what that Kansas game turned out to be if Daniels hadn't gotten hurt. Now, not saying that Jason Bean is not because Jason Bean is a solid quarterback and he came in and, and piloted the offense really well. Um, it's another one of the opportunities where the backup didn't cost you the game. Uh, but I do wonder what that offense looks like if Daniels is able to stay in for the full four quarters. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's. I don't root for any other Big Twelve team, but it was hard to not root for Kansas all year long. Um, and so that, you know, it, it hurt a little bit to all, but, all but one week. Oh, of course, of course. That's, that is the one. Um, but in all other weeks, yeah, I, I think I will continue to be hoping Kansas wins all the rest of them, except, uh, except Texas, obviously, um, in the sec, Gerald, Texas A&M fell to a team that was starting their backup for the first game. That's pretty bad. If you just leave it right there without any more details, of course it was Alabama. It was 24 to 20 way closer than the score line or anyone predicted. Uh, our guy, we love him. Fumbles McMilro. Um, Jalen uh, Milro. I mean, it, it was, it was a tough game, a tough first game for him. I think two fumbles, one interception. Um, they, they outgained the Aggies outdid everything, the Aggies, but they just seemed to keep giving them the ball in, in positive positions. And, you know, you, you give, I believe that there's something about a, a monkey, a typewriter, and a Shakespeare novel. Um, you give Jimbo Fisher <laughs> enough chances, uh, you know, he'll find the end zone. And, and he did the Jimbo Fisher thing where he seems to save it for one game. And then not, he, I, I bet he doesn't go back to all the motion and, and multiple look offense that he rolled out against Bama that, again, even with all of that, they still, it was not like a, a world-beating offensive performance. Um, <laughs> it, it ultimately boiled down to give it to A-Chain or throw it to Evan. Um, but, uh, yeah, Gerald, uh, 24-20, Texas A&M, um, you know, not not as good as Texas. Uh, we now have a very easy and obvious transitive uh, win over the Aggies since Texas lost on a last-second field goal by one. Technically, we're three points better than A and M at like, least. Stand transit, but I think the the big the big thing with with the A and M game is like Alabama did not did not just look like the Alabama that we it, we I expected them to be in like Terminator mode this year. I yeah. expected them to just be cutting like a scythe through everybody, and they just haven't been that this year. And so I'm curious to see uh, what how the rest of the season shakes out because they look gettable. I mean, Texas almost got them. A and M almost got them. They need to extend Jimbo. Like just give him, give him another five years, another you know forty five ish million dollars. Keep him around. He's he's doing a really good job of making reads for the quarterbacks and screaming yeah. out the wide receivers' names from the <laughs> sidelines. Like he's doing a great job of developing these quarterbacks. Like he really really needs another five years. Yeah, Jimbo keeps you in that game. Another coach doesn't get you there. You might as well just extend him. I think that's a great point. Um, and I'll just yeah, could enjoy that for the next 
you ain't getting out of that, boys. He's going to retire and continue <laughs> to milk you uh, just for all the monies. But um, anyways, Tennessee, you talk about Alabama getting getting got. They have Tennessee coming up, and Tennessee looks good. They look at least like one of, one of the two best orange teams with UT <laughs> as a name and a block T logo. One of the top two, uh, at the very least, there. Um, they absolutely brained LSU 40-13 in Death Valley um, and, again, have Alabama coming up. It's it's That might be the one that gets them. Um, that is a rivalry game, so it will be interesting there. But uh, I have a good good friend who is is married to – is a Longhorn former director. The Longhorn band is married to a diehard – uh, Tennessee Volunteers alum, and so they kind of split the season. Like they go to like four games each, and I like this is an incredible year to do that because the right UT game obviously can be electric, yeah. and the Tennessee is great. So they they are in the perfect spot. I did joke that maybe we'll get a bowl game, but uh, right now Tennessee is looking at like playoff type stuff if they can keep this <laughs> yeah. going. But they look real good um, elsewhere. Georgia. Looks good. They walloped Auburn. Ole Miss somehow stayed undefeated. Thought Vandy was giving them a scare there. They trailed at the half, but but Ole Miss still undefeated. Still looks like they could run half of uh, the SEC on the other side. Arkansas dropped out of the rankings after losing to the other Mississippi team. And Kentucky, without Will Levis, loses to South Carolina. Again, showing um, everyone in football is gettable. Like, there, no one is, is – there's like, you know – three, five teams maybe um, that like you really have nightmare stuff about right now. It's just a lot of parody. This is a year that justifies a 12-team playoff. Texas is a team that justifies a 12-team playoff this year. Just throwing that out there. I like that. I like where your head's at. All right, a couple relevant ones, and I just like some nuggets in here. App State, the most noteworthy team just because every week they like what they did that or they didn't do that or that happened to them or what they they, they are they are literally remarkable we must remark <laughs> yes, on this constantly we must remark and also because now texas state has an enormous <laughs> transitive win over texas a&m um after they rolled app state my brother uh, of course played football at texas state and so was sharing memes about how texas state runs the state via transitive properties and it's it's fair I mean, transitively, they might be the best team in the state. Like, it, it's there's probably a way to prove it. They they absolutely are not, but I love it. I love that we can make uh, we can make that argument. Um, Nebraska, just an interesting team in the battle of the bottom of the Big Ten, fell to Rutgers, and they almost fumbled it away like the ghost of Scott Frost in victory formation at fourteen thirteen. <laughs> like a fumble on that, and they lose on a field goal may have been like they may have ended the program. That validates all of the idiots that go too hard on a victory formation. I got in a fight in a football game because someone dove at my knees in a victory formation. I kicked him in the helmet. Like, don't do that. That validates all of those doofuses. Just don't do it. Only Nebraska could validate the dumbest of things. Oklahoma State fans are just screaming Brecken Hager right now. But anyways, um, Houston. Brecken Hager uh, was an idiot. (laughs) Said it. He's just esoteric, Joe. Um, Houston scored 26 in the fourth quarter to beat Memphis 33-32. And if you, I live in Houston, and, and there's been some weird like rumblings, not quite Jimbo level, but like U of H fans are like, how much should it take to get rid of Holgo? Which, again, U of H fan is an interesting person. It's tough. Holgo's going nowhere. He validated it by winning in the most. I just chugged four Red Bulls. Now let's play the fourth quarter way possible by uh, a – they were down – I believe like 33 to six, or maybe it was 24 to six. Um, and they end up winning 33 to 32. Just, just, just gorgeous um, play from, from my guy, Holgo Mac 
Brown, 5-1, and one, beats Miami, which Miami, remember, is one of the ranked wins that Texas A&M uh, <laughs> claims. They're really not a good football team this year. They might be in the future. Um, not this year. UTSA improves to 4-2 and two with a win over Western Kentucky. That helps Texas. Uh, ULM, I thought, was going to get one. They gave Coastal Carolina a scare, hung with them the entire game, lost 28-21. to 21. Coastal's one of, you know, like... Fo- I think there's 12 teams still undefeated, something like that. They almost was one less thanks to ULM. Um, so, again, helps Texas with the strength of schedule there a little bit. Um, that's it for me, Gerald, on the world of college football. Let's now take it to the next level with some NFL Longhorns. Gerald, there were some good performances, some great defensive back play, obviously some kickers in there. Where, yeah, are, where are you going for your Longhorn of the week. The two, the two, Devin Duvernay getting to play running back mm-hmm. and being kind of a consistent presence for the Ravens. I played him at flex and apparently so did his coach. So did, <laughs> uh, so like, I like, I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to, I think I'm going to do Caden Stearns. Two interceptions in a game is hard to do. Uh, and, and one of the worst football games ever played as well. Like, yeah. I mean, it, he was, he was, he was up there just slapping narrative around three pass breakups, two interceptions. Uh, our guy from the greater SCUCISD stand up. Caden Stearns is Gerald's pick for the Longhorn of the Week. Bidding right in the face of Brandon Jones. Nine tackles, one sack, one TFL, one QBH for your Dolphins. I'm mad at the Dolphins. They got embarrassed. Fair enough. All right, so I, I put this one in here just because I loved it. Uh, Chuck who had a sack at a quarterback hurry, um, but it's just because it's Baylor week and he got a sack on Baker, and that just feels poetic for some reason. But I have to go got at Matt Rule fired. And got Matt Rule fired. So And he got Matt Rule $42 million. Um <laughs> God, I would love to be a fired coach at any level. Dream uh, job, baby. Dream I, I don't know, job. I don't know if high school coaches get the million-dollar buyout. I will say that. At the levels above high school, I'd love to be a coach. Uh, just fire me, baby. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go kickers this week, though. And and I couldn't pick between the two, so I just had to give it to them both. You had one who've done, who's done it so many times, and then at the opposite side of career, one who's just starting it with game winners. Of course, we're talking Justin Tucker, who's four for four, hit a 58-yarder and had a 43-yard game winner. And Cameron Dicker, two for two, with a game winner himself after getting signed this week, just went out there and did the thing. Um, My favorite part, to keep it OU sucks themed, was Dicker beat Kyler, and then the other OU quarterback, Jalen Hurts, basically after the game said, Dicker the kicker from UT, how about that? Which is just amazing <laughs> content. I that was my favorite quote of the week for sure. I, I'm not okay with Jalen Hurts being likable. I want him to not be likable. Yeah, it's the the combo uh, Bama OU that just you know like you get crimson off him and he's all right. You know, uh, and Tucker's by the way his extends his NFL record to 61 consecutive field goals made in the fourth quarter or overtime to beat the reigning AFC champs. Just really incredible stuff. Gerald, this a um, little bit of golf, uh, number 19 men's golf, uh, finished up the stroke play side at the Jackson T. Stevens Cup. They finished fourth there, though, match up with third place Stanford in match play. But what I really want to talk about with golf, Gerald, Tony Romo and Texas golf commit Tommy Morrison shot a 9-under-63 to qualify for the U.S. Amateur 4 Bowl. That's awesome, first of all. Tony Romo is like a god tier golfer like like legit yeah. like legitimately has has played around on the corn ferry tour um or a few has played rounds i should say on the corn i said play a round and i understand that the confusion there words matter um on the corn ferry tour like he's legitimately like 
people are really good pickup basketball players, but they couldn't play professionally. Tony Romo is a really good golfer, but he could play. He could play professionally. Uh, <laughs> maybe not at the same level he played at quarterback or broadcasts. Uh, he's elite at those, but uh, he's a very, very good golfer. But, Gerald, have you seen Tommy Morrison, this 17-year-old who's growing like a tree? I feel bad for his parents in a way. Uh, as someone who has has three sons, um, and none of them is going to be that tall, but they all eat like it's going out of style. So I can't imagine how much this kid eats. Six foot ten was the last he was measured, and some are saying he might hit seven foot by the time he shows up because uh, he's still growing to campus, which is crazy. Like I've never seen so, a, a golfer that tall. Like it it doesn't seem to work. Has there ever been a two sport collegiate star of basketball and golf? So just curious. He played on an AAU basketball team like up until like middle school that was coached by a, I don't remember a former Duke guy in the Dallas area. Um, like not a big star, but a Duke basketball player, right? So like he's got some chops just from being very tall, but apparently he dedicated himself solely to golf. But I mean, Chris Beard's a good recruiter. Get him a transfer. You're the tra- you're the transfer pirate. Come if on, he, you're the portal pirate. If he walked in on campus, he would be the tallest basketball player to date, taller than the entire UT basketball <laughs> roster. So uh, I get it. Also, my favorite, second favorite note, other than the, the giant um, towering over Tony Romo with them both just absolutely waxing the golf ball, was that Sam Bradford also played in this tournament, which was in uh, Blanchard, Oklahoma, but did not qualify. So sorry, Sam. It ain't you. you know who it is, though, Gerald. It's the Texas soccer team came out today. They, they swept the Big 12 awards forward Trinity Byers named the offensive Big 12 player of the week. Cameron Brooks was the Big 12 defensive player of the week and goalkeeper Savannah Madden, the goalkeeper of the week. Uh, Byers was on the college soccer national team of the week as well. Uh, baseball's 2022 fall schedule came out. Um, they're starting a couple weeks with Houston U of H coming to campus and then San Jack the next week, and that's the 23rd and Halloween weekend, the 30th, so spooky season for that one, both 14 inning games. And then, of course, the infamous three-game Orange and White Fall World Series uh, Thursday through Saturday, November 3rd through 5th. And in the final piece, Gerald, women's basketball picked second in the Big 12 preseason poll, but it was not behind who you might historically guess. Baylor was fourth, only got one first place vote, 62 points. Texas was only one uh, point total, had the same amount of first place votes as Iowa State, who was picked first, um, but came with 74 points to 75. Some people must have picked Texas third, fourth, or fifth. Um, Haters, uh, but yes, in in this of all weeks, Iowa State uh, will get to finish ahead of something, uh, and that's preseason voting only uh, on Texas, mainly because Ashley Jones is an absolute baller for Iowa State. Turn them haters into mashed potatoes. Just go and do it. Finish your food. I love it. I love it. The uh, basketball is near, Gerald. We're like a couple weeks away from exhibition games. October 30th is the women's first, and then November 4th, um, excuse me, November 11th, they open the season against Louisiana. So season one month away, uh, actual basketball for the men and women just a few weeks away. So, Gerald, let's wrap this thing up. A little bit of Godzilla Tron. What do you watch on your giant screen? My wife, I talked about it. My wife and I are still in a rewatch of Rewatch for me, first watch of her uh, for the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. Um, the Witch's Hat episode uh, has, has recently hit, and that one always gets me uh, really, really good. And kind of making a connection, uh, we've realized that we're watching the Great Great British Baking Show, Great British Bake Off, depending on where you're from. This week's episode, very controversial. It was Mexican Food Week. One of their baking challenges was to make a tortilla um, for a taco. So they had to make a tortilla and then make all the elements of a taco. It was terrible. It was awful. But um, they're British people, so I don't expect them to, you know, 
do good with anything that they take from brown people. There was this weird like online conversation about it where it's like, how how could they not? I'm like, have you seen what British people eat? <laughs> I, I've made a mushy pea guacamole. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they like, it, it was just the strangest things. Like they didn't know how to make, like they didn't know how to peel it, like take it, like do an avocado. There's somebody's like peeling the skin off. Like, and apparently, this is something that I we my wife and I researched after. There is this there's this epidemic happening in the UK of people who don't know how to get the pits out of avocados, and so <laughs> rather than like hit it with the long part of a knife to get yeah. it out, you twist it, you chunk it. They're hit, they're trying to go with the tip of the knife and stabbing themselves in the hand. Oh, so, no. um, avocado hand apparently is a thing in the UK now. Wow. I just, I just just give up on Mexican food. Stick to beans on toast. That's it. Like, guys, you you're, you stay European. You know, like, if you want something with a bit of uh, flair, stick to your curries, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop a cross for some tapas, um, as, 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 as they would say. Uh, you know, um, if you want to get real spicy, have a little haggis. No, I kid. Don't do that. But, yeah, it's... it's uh, whew, yeah. I, I had great food when I was across the pond, but it was mainly because um, I ate a lot of Indian food and had some Sri Lanka. Like you keep it with like the incredible immigrant population there. When you get to like the white colonizing British folks who haven't quite figured out, they didn't make it all the way to Mexico. Maybe they did on a resort because uh, they love to go down there on resort vacation. They did not take the cooking class while they were there very clearly as a nation. Um, Gerald, what I have been watching, I don't know if, have I ever talked about on this show, Marvelous Miss Maisel? You have. And okay. so has my wife. Okay. Fair enough. She loves it. My wife loves it. It's a great show. Like it's it's uh, it's funny because my wife's favorite show of all time is Mad Men, and there's kind of that period piece. They're just now, I think this is the fourth or fifth season. They're getting to like the sixties. It's been mainly the fifties and kind of that transition, similar to Don Draper of like thriving with a little bit of money in the fifties and kind of the set cultural norms, and then moving into the sixties. And um, the, if you haven't listened whenever I said this years ago. Um, <laughs> I think it's been a couple of seasons at least since I talked about it, but uh, it, the show is basically about a, a Jewish uh, New York City housewife, you know, the picturesque heels and dress baking uh, in the 50s who, you know, launches off into this other world and other career as a stand-up comedian. And um, she's hilarious and she's elegant and it's like all these like, you know, mishaps of situation but it's just like a really good period piece like it's really the costumes are great the like jokes of the time are great um she's a very funny and well-written character that like really skewers a lot of um you could tell it's written by honestly like a a 21st century feminist looking back on a time but like without being too on the nose like you could understand like they probably might say this but like probably wouldn't have the gall to i don't know i really like i like it it's it's uh it's just good like it's it's i don't know i don't know if it goes down on the all-time great shows but it's like it's a great hang um i was not necessarily a rachel brosnahan person before this but it's great i always was a tony shalhoub guy but uh who wasn't (laughs) absolutely um he's fantastic in it um it just keeps getting better but yeah it's like it's I, i i'm enjoying almost every character on it um it's like i thought where do they keep going like is this gonna kind of wear off but this has been a fun season this latest season um i think it's the fourth has been good like it's it's fun it's interesting i'm about three-fourths of the way through it um and and you know i'd recommend it as i did i'm sure the last time i talked about it if you didn't catch it then now's your chance get back on it marvelous miss Maisel on amazon prime and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also follow the texas pregamer at 
Texas Per Gamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. They ain't got the juice. <laughs>